0: Today truly is a celebration. We celebrate the most significant day in human history uh, because this is the day that we celebrate Jesus rose from the grave, resurrected from the dead. And we celebrate not because Jesus was just some miracle worker that was here today and gone tomorrow. Jesus is more than just a preacher of the past. We celebrate because Jesus Christ is the wrath-absorbing, death-defeating, sin-forgiving, funeral-canceling, resurrected Savior of the world. You know, everything in Christianity rises and falls on Jesus. It's all about Him. It's not about a set of rules or procedures to follow. It's not policies on what we can and can't do. It's not even about living a good moral life. It's about A person Jesus of Nazareth Jesus the Messiah and ultimately it's about a relationship with the same Jesus and we celebrate that relationship today now if Jesus has only been a nice guy who preached some inspiring message if he'd only been you know a guy that fed thousands of people if he only did a few miracles and if he only died and stayed dead then we could all call it a day right now and go home and and turn our lunch into a brunch and enjoy some time with family. Because if he stayed dead, that would mean the Bible is untrue, that Jesus himself is a liar. We would have no hope for the forgiveness of sins and we ourselves would die and stay dead. But if the resurrection did happen, then everything Has changed what changed is your past present and future sins are forgiven because the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross was sufficient and you know what that is good news what's good news is that when we breathe our last here on earth that's not the end of the chapter a new chapter begins it's only the beginning of our life lived forever with God it's just one transition from this life to the next and since Christ has risen, we then are worshiping a living and active, seeking and saving, ruling and reigning Savior of the world, who is still writing stories today, new stories right down to our lives here in Wayne. So this, since this resurrection is real, it means it's bigger than just about a place that we go when we die. It's bigger than just a pie in the sky, heaven the only thing. It's bigger than just being saved for another day. It's for this day. It impacts how we live now. It, it changes in how we live here, now, today, tomorrow. It changes the decisions that we make, the priorities in our life. It changes how we approach all relationships. Because Jesus rose from the dead and defeated death by resurrection Then he truly is God and that means we are designed and created not only to worship him but we're designed and created to, to base our life on him base our lives on him our identity in him and strive to be like him and to find all that we need in life in him so if the resurrection did happen then nothing really matters more than to follow Jesus. So this morning, let me ask you to open up your eyes to Jesus in in a fresh way. Look at him with a fresh set of eyes as we look at Scripture this morning and, and how he appeared to his disciples after his resurrection and the impact that he had on their lives and ultimately our lives as well so Jesus appears and he's gonna sit with his disciples he's gonna eat with them and he's gonna teach them and as we open up the Bible this morning I hope you can see this that Jesus is alive and he reveals himself to us we're gonna be in Luke chapter 24 this morning so if if you brought your Bible with you let me encourage you open to that or open up your app to Luke 24 Luke is one of the four Gospels that we have in the New Testament near the beginning of the New Testament and we're gonna see first of all that Jesus is alive and reveals himself through evidence and relationship now for the original disciples uh, their lives at this point was just a lot of confusion and a lot of fear In fact, there's confusion going on all throughout Jerusalem the triumphal entry of Jesus when he entered into the city a week prior had already occurred and at that day, everybody was praising the name of Jesus. They were waving palm branches, putting cloaks on the robe, on the road, and just uh, acknowledging and shouting, Hallelujah, you know, King of kings, Lord of lords, that's Jesus. And now, a week later, their rabbi is dead. He's in a tomb. Disciples are scared, confused, not sure what's going on. They're, in fact, they are afraid and fearful for their own life that the Romans who killed Jesus are now going to hunt them down and kill them. Well, this is where we pick up the story in Luke 24, verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. Well, what were the disciples talking about? I mean, there's growing evidence around Jerusalem that Jesus is alive. Some women had gone to the tomb early on early morning, and they found it empty. And they claimed that they saw an angel there who declared Jesus is alive. So they go back and tell the disciples, and then Peter, one of the disciples, he runs to the tomb, and he sees the clothes laying there, but no physical body. Additionally, there there was a couple guys walking along the road to a town called Emmaus, and they encountered Jesus in person. And they came back and reported that Jesus is alive. You see, Jesus appears to his disciples, and what were his first words? He says, peace. Peace be with you. Just like Jesus brought peace to those disciples, Jesus brings peace to us as well. Peace with God because he restores a relationship with him. He he deals, he steps into the mess of sin of our lives and of our world that destroyed that relationship with God, and he steps in and brings peace to that. He steps into our mess, our sin, our lives, because he wants each of us to have peace with our God. And he does that by restoring a relationship with him. We read on in verse 38 of Matthew 24, where it says, Jesus said to his disciples, said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do, you, why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Jesus comes and and he brings evidence of a real resurrection, of physical, historical resurrection. It happened. Now the Romans, the military there at that day and age, they were experts in, in carrying out execution. They had perfected the death sentence by execution. They knew what they were doing. They didn't make mistakes when it came to crucifying somebody. And just, just to be sure, for Jesus, they stuck a spear in his side to make sure he was dead. Then they took his body off the cross. They, they wrapped it up in cloth. They set it in a tomb. They rolled a stone in front of the tomb, and then they set a guard in front of that tomb. He was dead, but he didn't stay dead. Now, I'm not a physician, but I would say that's not normal. You can ask your primary care provider tomorrow. Jesus didn't stay dead. But I love the words of Jesus when he showed up that day. His words weren't, you know, get away from me because you have doubts. Get away from me because you're struggling, because you have fear. That's not what he says. He comes with this invitation to touch me and see. Come and see. Come and see Christ Jesus. He's saying, you know, see my hands, see my feet, see the holes in them. Come see, I'm I'm flesh and bones, I'm a real person. Touch me because I was dead and now I'm not dead. I didn't stay dead. And you know what, that same invitation is for us today. To come and see this Jesus. Come and look at the evidence. Come and investigate who he is. So can I give you some evidence this morning? Come and see the the reliability and accuracy and historicity of the New Testament. Come and see the empty tomb that once held a body and now is empty. Look at the the appearance that Jesus had to 500 people post-resurrection. Look at the transformation that took place in the disciples. They went from cowering and cowardly to fearless martyrs for the faith. Look at the family of Jesus that once thought he was out of his mind and insane and wanted to pull him away to now worshiping him as Savior of the world. Look at the conversion of enemies that he had, specifically a guy named Saul of Tarsus, Saul who went on to start churches all throughout the Mediterranean Sea area. Look at the rapid spread of Christianity in the first century in, in the known world and how churches and believers have spread throughout that region. Come and see the historical evidence of, the, of a bodily resurrection. But more than that, there's another piece of evidence. As we read on in verse 41 of Luke 24, he says, And while they, they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and took it, he took it and ate it in their presence. What, what does that have to do with a resurrection? Well, it's about relationship. Think think about meals for a moment. We we share meals with people that we aren't in relationship with or want to get to know. Sharing a meal is about acceptance. It's about belonging. It's about relationships. So Jesus not only says, "Come and see the evidence," but come, pull up to the table. Pull up a chair, and let's get into relationship together. Let's be in relationship, and let's eat some fish sticks together. So Jesus doesn't say, keep your distance from me. He doesn't come and say, you know, you bunch of losers because you're struggling and fearful. He says, let's have a meal together. Let's step into relationship. I mean, we eat with people that we either know or that we like or, you know, want to get to know. I love having coffee and lunch with people because I want to get to know people. And yes, you know, food is a central part of a meal, but really it's about the people that we eat with, isn't it? I eat lunch at the table quite often, and I have the same thing all the time, the cobble-gobble salad. And it gets old after a while. But I love the people that I meet with, and that's why I keep doing it, because I want to hear those stories of what God is doing in people's lives. You know, Jesus invited me into a relationship with him over 30 years ago, and it started with a meal because the guy said, let's have a meal together. And that changed the trajectory of of my life. And Jesus has filled the voids of my life that I didn't even know existed or could be filled. He took away my sins and my addictions, my bad habits, my self-centered and selfish ways, and he took me from really clueless living to clarity and purpose in life. Jesus moved me from a relationless religion that I knew growing up growing up and invited me into a real and life-altering relationship with him. And that's what Jesus invites us to. He says, pull up to the table. Let's have a meal together. Let's step into relationship. So, Journey, can I ask you, are you in a relationship with Jesus? This isn't about playing the religion game or living a good life it's not about dressing up on Easter Sunday and going to grandma's house for ham and cheesy potatoes it's not even about you know adding one more thing to your son already busy Sunday mornings Jesus is saying come and see let's step into relationship together so Jesus invitation is that hey he's alive and he reveals himself through evidence through relationship But he also reveals himself through the bible let's look back at luke chapter 24 verse 44 jesus said to them this is what i told you while i was still with you everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of moses the prophets and the psalms then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures and he told them this is what is written The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Jesus wants to study Scripture with the disciples. Their Bible at the time consisted of, as he says, the Law of Moses, the Prophets, and Psalms, so he wants to do a little Bible study. And he says, all of that, all of what you know is Scripture, it all points to me. He doesn't want their faith to be just about experiences and eating fish sticks together. He wants it to be based on on God's Word with that foundation of Scripture. I mean, that, that would be one Bible study that I wish I could have sat in. That would have been an amazing uh, time where Jesus opens up the scripture and he's pointing it out. Yeah, this part, that's about me. This part, that's about me. This is all about me. All of our Bible is about Jesus. It's a unified whole that points to him. He's the hero in the story. So let me do a little Bible study with you this morning. You know our Bible is made up of 66 books, but they're not random books thrown together. They they all find fulfillment in this Jesus of Nazareth. And he's not just in the four gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. He's found in all of its pages. So let me take a walk with you through the Old Testament and see how Jesus is found in all of its pages. In Genesis, Jesus is the seed of the woman that would crush the head of the serpent. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb that takes away the sins of God's people. In the book of Leviticus, Jesus is the high priest who intercedes for us. In Numbers, he is the water in the desert, our living water. In Deuteronomy, he is the greater Moses and the city of refuge, that the guilty can find refuge in. In Joshua, he is the commander of the Lord's army that defeats the ultimate enemy. In the book of Judges, Jesus is the greater judge who delivers us from evil and injustice. In the book of Ruth, we see him as our kinsman redeemer who covers us and brings us near. In the books of First and Second Samuel, he's the unexpected shepherd king who fights for the fearful. In the books of Kings, 1st and 2nd Kings, he's the righteous ruler that we all long for. In the books of 1st and 2nd Chronicles, he is the son of David who will come and reign eternally. In the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, Jesus is the one who restores and protects his people. In Esther, he is the advocate who risked his life to secure ours. In Job, he is the mediator between God and man. In the book of Psalms, we see Jesus as the Holy One who will never see decay. In Proverbs, he is the wisdom of God. In the book of Ecclesiastes, he is our true meaning and purpose in life. In in the Song of Solomon, he is our faithful and devout love. In the prophet Isaiah, we see Jesus as the suffering servant. In Jeremiah, he is the weeping Messiah. In Lamentations, he is the one who assumes the wrath of God on our behalf. In the book of Ezekiel, he is the son of man. In Daniel, Jesus is the one who is with us in the fire. In the prophet Hosea, he is the faithful husband who stands by us when we have been unfaithful. In Joel, he is the one sending his spirit among and upon his people. In Amos, he is the one who delivers us and opposes evil. In the book of Obadiah, Jesus is the judge who will condemn evil. In Jonah, Jesus is the missionary who pursues the undeserving with mercy. In Micah, he is the everlasting ruler born to us in Jerusalem. In Nahum, he is a He proclaims a future world peace beyond our imagination. In the book of Habakkuk, Jesus crushes injustice. In Zephaniah, he is the warrior. He is mighty to save. In the book of Haggai, Jesus is the cleansing fountain. In Zechariah, he is the pierced Messiah. And in Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, he is the son of righteousness who brings healing to his people. Journey, it's all about Jesus from beginning to end. The Bible contains over 300 prophecies that all find their fulfillment in Jesus. This book has been written over 1500 years by 40 different authors in three different languages and it all points to Jesus. At the very beginning of the book in Genesis we, we read about sin entering the world through disobedience But right alongside of that, there is an allusion to the coming Messiah who will crush the serpent's head. In the very last book of the Bible, in Revelation, we we see that all the people are singing to the Lamb of God, Jesus, the Messiah. It's all about him. Journey, Jesus was always plan A to deal with sin. In fact, he's the only plan. It's always how salvation um, was planned and carried out through the sacrifice of God's one and only Son. So what does that have to do with you? How does that impact us today? It means that if you have confidence that Jesus is God, then your heart is in a line with this book. If you've oriented your life around Jesus, around his word and and are following his life and teachings, that means your life is not being wasted. In fact, just the opposite. You could build your life on the promises of Jesus. God keeps his word even today. His promises are still alive, still active. You know, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they tried to stop him. Rome tried to kill him, but even death could not hold him down so that means for today that in our crazy chaotic world with all of our struggles with all of our faults with all of our failures we can build our life on Jesus the Christ God's son we can put our trust and our allegiance into his hands because the promises of this book they're not over they're not done and gone they're continually being fulfilled in lives like yours today And one of those promises is your own resurrection, the eternal life that God gives you, and the hope that that comes comes from that. The journey, Jesus is alive and reveals himself to us through evidence and relationship, through the Bible, and thirdly, through changed and transformed lives. Look back at Luke 24, verse 48. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send to you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The disciples have moved from like confusion and fear to clarity and power. They now know that Jesus is God, that he is the promised Messiah, that he is the Savior and the Holy One, and the same one then commissions them to go out and share this good news with others. But get get this, folks. Jesus is not just giving them something new to do. He's not just adding to their list. He is literally making them new. He's calling them to a new life, a new focus, new power. And the same is true for us today. He's saying, you know, my my spirit will be in you and your life will be forever different because you follow me. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, the the gift that the Father gives us. And through that, he changes us and transforms us. It's, It's about following him and living on mission for him. See, Jesus' invitation for each of us is still to be a disciple of him. And a disciple is simply someone who is following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and living on mission for Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is good news. It's good news for the disciples, one, because they had just had a really bad week you ever have a bad week you know where it starts out good but then before you know it you've raised your voice at your children you've cut somebody off in traffic you started out with the intent of spending time every day in god's word but before you know it you've forgotten it or your prayer life feels more like the sand hills than the living water that jesus talks about in scripture or maybe you've compromised your faith in your life in ways that you never said you would these guys had had a bad week as well. For example, their, their rabbi and master, who everybody was praising the week before, has now been arrested, put on trial, and executed. And Peter, you know, one of, the, one of the disciples, denied Jesus because a young servant girl said, hey, you look like a guy that was hanging out with Jesus. And then Peter takes a sword to a guy's ear and cuts it off. That's a pretty bad week. And now they're locking themselves in a room out of fear. And you can see their fear, their cowardness uh, rising to the top. But then this change happens. They encountered the resurrection, resurrected Jesus. They believe that he is God. You know, they studied the scriptures with Jesus and their lives are forever changed. This Peter, the, the same one that denied Jesus and chopped off a guy's ear, he stands up and preaches to thousands in Jerusalem. And the Bible tells us that 3,000 people come to follow Jesus that day. I mean, that must have been one killer sermon. Later, Peter is arrested for preaching and talking about Jesus, and he, Peter turns his jail cell into a, a worship service. And history tells us that he goes on and he is actually killed for his faith because he has proclaimed that Jesus has raised from the dead and Jesus is God. And later in the Bible, we see countless other examples of changed lives because they've encountered Jesus. But beyond this book, we can look around us here today, look around our church here at Journey and see changed lives because God is alive and well and he's still making people new. He is still setting captives free, free from the chains of sin. He's still adopting men and women into his family and calling men and women children of God. You know, look at the evidence around here at the church of just those sitting around you. I mean, you are sitting next to people with stories, with God's stories, stories of how God has worked and is working in their lives. You're, you are sitting next to trophies in God's eyes. You know, I, I can tell you stories about people here at Journey who have literally gone from purposeless living to purpose filled. People have gone to feeling a- alone and isolated to now belonging as a part of a community. People who were confused and now have clarity. People who are doing their own thing to now surrendered and all in for Jesus. In fact when we wrapped up a disciple making emphasis called rooted a couple weeks ago we celebrated the baptism of two men who said yes to Jesus and went all-in you know in my own life like I said I, I'm standing here today because somebody invited me over for a meal and that guy later opened up the scriptures to me and pointed me to Jesus my life story is one that I, I could not have authored I could not have written it myself And yours can be written by God as well. I'm going to invite the praise team to come back up this morning. and Journey, as they do, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive and reveals himself to us. So my invitation for you today is to come and see. Come and see this Jesus that we're following. Because in Jesus, we find a Savior that can bring resurrection power to your life, resurrection power to your heart, power for a new life, power to change the relationships that you are in, power to change your story into his story. You know, our, our vision here at Journey, our purpose to, is to help people like you find this Jesus, follow Jesus, and be like him. And the way we do that is by making disciples of him that's our focus that's our priority nothing else our focus is not about building big crowds gathering large numbers but pouring into relationships so that people like you can learn what it means to follow this jesus so come and see what that looks like for you and quite often that just begins with a conversation you know i want to invite you to come and have a conversation today on what what that looks like for where you are at. Come talk to me after the service. I'll be out in the lobby or Adam will, will be available. Come have a conversation of what it looks like for you to follow Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you make this relationship possible because of your sacrifice on the cross. So, Father, this Easter, we we not only celebrate uh, your death, but more importantly, we celebrate your resurrection and how that impacts and changes our lives here and now, today. So, Father, may, may we accept your invite to come and see, to come and follow, and to be changed by you. And, Lord, may it all be for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together as we continue to worship.